ChicagoRadio.com presents stories of mystery and intrigue, espionage and suspense. Hear tales of ticking time bombs, mysterious crime scenes, and cloak and dagger action. This is Relic Radio Thrillers. Welcome back to Relic Radio Thrillers. This week, we'll hear from The Chase, an NBC series of 55 episodes that aired from April of 1952 to June of 1953. Our story today is from May 18, 1952. It's titled, Elliot Preston is Framed for Murder. Here's The Chase. <laughs> The National Broadcasting Company invites you by transcription to join the chase. In the animal world, there is the hunter and the hunted. Hound and fox, hawk and sparrow chicken and worm. We in the topmost species have also joined the hunt. But who is to judge precisely which of us are hounds or foxes as we enter the chase? It was all very simple, really, and yet so complex. A nightmare with partial overtones. The laugh, dear chap, was on me. And I must confess, I failed to find it amusing. I remember meeting Noreen in a Soho pub. Our reunions were brief at that time and clandestine. We were very much like two frightened mice, snatching moments of comfort together while the tomcat slept and scurrying to cover when the beast would stir degrading, unwholesome, and I had made up my mind to put an end to it. Uncle Alfred will never agree, Elliot. Now, why shouldn't he agree? I, I don't understand it. What does he have against me, Noreen? I don't know. He's never really given me a decent explanation. I suppose he's a snob. He'd like me to marry someone prominently listed in Burke's peerage, I imagine. Mm, some doddering old fool he could boast about. And play chess with. You're much too young and attractive for my guardian, darling. Besides, you don't like chess. Do you love me, Noreen? Madly. Would you prefer an earl or a duke? I wouldn't exchange the House of Lords for your little finger. Well, then, that settles it. That settles what? I'm going to have it out with Sir Alfred today. He'll either grant permission for our marriage, or I'll know the reason why. No, Elliot. I'm afraid. Afraid? Oh, no. Come on. Afraid of what? Uncle Alfred's such a beastly temper... You can be rather touchy yourself at times. I don't want any unpleasantness, darling. Particularly for you. Oh, there'll be no unpleasantness. I, I'll simply put it to him, just like that. A good reason for standing between us or stop meddling in our affairs. But, Elliot... And I don't argue, darling. My mind's made up. Is he at home now? Yes. He should be. Well, then I'm off to be at the lion. Wish me luck. <laughs> The 
Ainsley House was near Grosvenor Square, a rather large, forbidding place that had been fashionable in the Edwardian era. I, I never liked it to begin with. And it took on an even stronger aura of seediness and disrepair as I stood before the door on the verge of what would be a sordid and uncomfortable scene at best with Noreen's legal guardian. There was no answer to my ring, which I repeated several times. I was rather disappointed. Now that I had made my resolution, I wanted to have done with it. But it soon became apparent that the house was empty, and I reluctantly started to turn away. It was at that point I first noticed the blood on the outer doorknob. I realized then that the door was ajar. And as I pushed it open and stepped inside the narrow hall, I had a premonition and a sudden, almost overpowering impulse to flee. At that moment, I reached Sir Alfred Ainsley's drawing room and saw him sprawled out on the floor near the telephone with a 12-inch carving knife protruding from his chest. Yes? Elliot? Yes, Noreen? I had to call. I was worried about you and Uncle Alfred. What? Where are you calling from? Is anyone with you? No, why? You sound like... Uh, come over to your uncle's house immediately. Uh, and say nothing to anyone. What's happened, Elliot? Something frightful. Hurry, Noreen. My first thought, of course, was to notify the police. But some instinct made me hesitate. Instead, I decided to make a thorough check of the body and the room. And what I subsequently discovered was enough for me to thank my lucky stars that I hadn't called the authorities. I found him lying here like that just before you phoned. Well? Well, what? Do you believe me? Believe you? Darling, darling, do you think for one moment that I even imagined you could do a thing like this? Perhaps you'll change your mind, Noreen, after you see what I'm going to show you. What are you saying, Elliot? Can you stand looking at him any closer? I'll try. Come over here, near his outstretched hand. Can you make out what he's clutching in his fingers, Noreen? It looks like a piece of silk. It's part of a necktie, ripped from the bottom. A necktie? Mine, Noreen. What? It was a particular pattern, very unusual. Come here to this desk for a moment. I, I want to show you something else. What is it, Elliot? There's a letter here. Evidently written by your uncle before his death. It's, it's in plain enough view, isn't it? Well, the letter warns me in no uncertain terms to keep away from you. It refers to me as a hot-headed scoundrel and suggests that I'll be turned over to the police if I cause any further trouble. Furthermore, the knife now embedded in Sir Alfred's chest came from my kitchen, Noreen. Elliot! I can recognize it by the nick in the handle. I only bought it a little over a week ago. And on top of that, I found a second note, presumably from my own pen, threatening your uncle with violence. I shouldn't be surprised if I even found my own fingerprints on the walls, the furniture and the weapon itself. What does it mean? means that I'm being made the goat in a diabolical plot. Someone has deliberately and brilliantly planted enough evidence against me in this room to send me to the hangman. No! The necktie was stolen from my flat. I, I missed it several days ago. The kitchen knife was also stolen. But the letters... Your uncle wrote his, no doubt about that. Mine was cleverly forged. Frankly, I, I couldn't tell the difference myself if I hadn't known I didn't write it. Some genius has gone to great pains to arrange a tight little frame around my neck, Noreen. It's a hangman's noose. Who? I don't 
I'd better find him before the police find me. We could destroy the evidence. I doubt if that would help. This was planned too cleverly, and it's probably just the beginning. There must be more of it around the house. Perhaps hidden in my rooms. Or sent to the police. Besides, I was seen coming in here just now. By whom? Sir Alfred's neighbor. He was leaving his house as I rang his bell. He had a good look at me. What shall we do, Elliot? In spite of all the evidence and everything, you... You still believe I'm innocent? Darling, I love you. Isn't that enough? I'm, I'm sorry about Sir Alfred. That doesn't matter now, Elliot. I, I was fond of him, in spite of his pomposity. Really thought he did everything that was best for me. But he's dead, Elliot, and you're alive and in great danger. Where can I start? I can even begin to look for this villainous cutthroat. Why, why should I have been made the scapegoat? Who is he? Where is he? Elliot. Shall I answer it? I don't know. Wait, let me. Are you there? Yes? Sir Alfred Ainsley, please. Who's calling? Uh, I'm a secretary. This is Palmer's Travel Agency. Sir Alfred wished to book two seats on the boat train to Paris at 8 this evening. On the Orient Express to Zurich. Two seats? Yes. We booked them. And he can pick them up at Victoria Station. I'll tell him. Thank you. Were you supposed to go to Switzerland with your uncle, Noreen? I know. Did he mention the prospect of a trip to you? No. Well, he's booked two seats. Who would his companion be? Can't imagine. Unless... Unless what? There's been something mysterious going on concerning Uncle Alfred and another man. Don't know his name. Uncle Alfred's been very busy for the past few weeks. Quite unusual. I mean, well, with what I took to be business matters. Sir Alfred retired two years ago. Yes, I know. I... In spite of that, he's been conferring with someone regularly. I asked him about it once, and he seemed to be taken aback. I remember he was short with me and told me to mind my own affairs. There's one chance, Noreen. One in a million. Chance of what? That this business acquaintance may turn out to be the man we want. And if he is, he may make use of one of those tickets. To get away? Possibly. Grasping for a straw, I know, but I have nothing else to cling to. In any case, if you use one of those tickets, you can leave the country. Uh, yes, I thought of that too. If I'm picked up now, I, I won't have a chance. At least this will give me a breathing space and something may turn up. Do you... Think you can evade the police, Elliot? Even for a while? They'll follow me. There's no question about it. Meanwhile, I'll be chasing someone else. The man who killed your uncle. Then it becomes a question of who catches up with whom first. <gasps> Elliot! The, the service door! In the rear, quickly! What about you? Never mind about me. They can't hold me for anything. Don't argue, Elliot. It may be the police run, darling. Call the Hotel Alpen in Zurich and ask for Noel Donnelly. Perhaps you can join me later, darling. Wish me luck. The seats were reserved in a first-class compartment, numbers one and three facing each other. 
and I'd left ticket number three at the station for my companion. When I entered the train, the compartment was empty, but just before departure time, my fellow passengers arrived. The first to enter was a woman, an American, evidently, judging by her clothes. And the second was an elderly gentleman who supported himself with a cane. I watched this chap from the corner of my eye, wondering if he was my quarry. Just as the train started to move, a burly fellow with a pipe in his mouth walked into the compartment and settled himself in seat number three. I beg your pardon. I. Do you have a match? Match? I think so. Now, what? I hear they be by gum. The accent was Yorkshire. The hands were large. The eyes were bulgy and the jowls hung loose. The thing I noticed that made my heart take an extra beat was the small automatic revolver tucked inside a shoulder holster. Revealed for a fraction of a second as his coat bulged open when he leaned over to offer me a light. This here crime wave in the news. By gum, it's terrible. Another chap was done in last night, butchered like a bloody goose. You mean the murder? Aye. They caught Ruddy Killer, though. Turned out to be poor man's business partner. What's this country coming to, I wonder? I wonder, too. Well, <laughs> I'll be away from it all in a day or two, resting myself in a little chalet where a man can find some peace and quiet. You're, you're on a holiday? Aye, first one in two years. In... Switzerland, I take it. How do you know that? You mentioned a chalet. Ah, so I did. But it's more likely it'll be a small hotel. I don't think I could afford to rent a house of my own. Well, uh, where are you bound for in Switzerland? Zurich. And then? Interlaken. I've always wanted to see the Rudy Jungfrau. My name's Spy, by the way, Herbert Spy. Mine's... Darnley, Noel Darnley. Yeah, Darnley, eh? Oh. Something wrong, Mr. Spy? Wrong? Uh, with my name? Nothing wrong with it, Chappie, as far as I can see. You on a holiday, too? Uh, not precisely, no. Business? Uh, more or less. Switzerland? Yes. Ah, maybe we'll run into each other. I hope so, Mr. Spy. Yeah, it's funny. What is? I could almost swear I've seen you somewhere before. No. I don't think with me. You live in London? Yes. You? My home is in Yorkshire. But I've been living in London now for some time. I see. Here, 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 here. What's that on your coat? My coat? Here, on the bottom. Looks like a speck of blood. Oh, that, that, that's paint. Pain? Yeah, I, I was touching a piece of pottery in my flat. I, I must have brushed against the paint pot. Oh. oh. Ex excuse me. Leaving? Uh, I I want to get a drink of water. I'll go along with you. I can stand a drop myself. Pardon, ma'am. I'll just push through. Here we are. After you, Mr. Spy. This train's got a rock to it like a ruddy boat. Uh, the, uh, the water corrupts at the end of the car. Wow! Look at this. Uh, the train door's open. Some fool forgot to shut it. A man could kill himself by falling through that hole. Yes, it's, it's, it's dangerous. Reminds me of that poor Frenchman. 
What Frenchman? Oh, you must have read about him. He was traveling on a Paris Express when he was pushed. Through an open train door? That's right. It was murder, no question about it. Who pushed him? Nobody knows. They say... They say he learned too much. About what? Oh, a little affair that took place in Montmartre. Girl was killed and he knew something about it. They followed the poor lad and shoved him out just as the train went into tunnel. <laughs> How horrible. Wasn't much left of him when they picked him up. Yes, 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 I can imagine. If you lean over a bit, you can close that door. No. No, thank you. What's trouble? It, it makes me a little ill to look out this way. Yeah, yeah, let me, laddie. Yeah, that's better. Much. Well... Here's our drink. Thank you. Oh, by God. Water tastes like it's been run through coal mine. Sh shall we go back to the compartment? Come along. Here we are. Is this right, Number? Yes, of course. Odd. Now, what did I do with my ticket? Oh. Pardon me, madam. Sorry, ma'am. Now, let's have a look at that ticket of mine. Seems to me... There's something in the matter, Mr. Spur. What was your name again, Chappie? Donnelly. Noel Donnelly. So you said before. He looked suspicious for a moment. I wondered if he could actually read my mind. Then I saw him glance up above my head to my suitcase on the luggage rack, where the initials plain enough to see were E.T. Darnley. <laughs> From that point on, he buried himself in his paper, while I fixed my eyes on the darkness rushing by my window. Had I overplayed my hand so early in the game? And after an interval, the train roared into a tunnel as black as the darkest pit, and when we emerged into the gathering twilight, Mr. Herbert's spy, newspaper, pipe and baggage, was gone. Are you there? Is this London? Elliot, where are you calling from, darling? Uh, Paris. I I'm just about to board the Orient Express. Well, I think I found my man, Norina. I lost him on the boat train, and I picked him up again on the platform when the train reached Paris. I I'm staying close to him now, although he doesn't know it. I, I can see him from here, waiting at the gate for the train to Zurich. I'm going to join you, darling, in Switzerland. Uh, how are things getting on? No, I, I'm going on to Interlaken. I'll find you there. Are you sure you want to come? If I'm caught and you're with me... I don't care. I can't stay here alone any longer. I want to share the danger with you, darling. I love you so. The train gate's opened. I I'd better go. Be careful you're not followed when you leave. Goodbye, darling. Goodbye. And wish me luck. I was careful not to let him see me on the way to Zurich. And when we changed trains for Interlaken, I rode once again in a different car. I was right behind him a few hours later as he entered the door to the Hotel Joch, perched like a birdhouse on a hill with a mighty Jungfrau as a backdrop. An omen of terror against the sky. Good evening, Mr. Spy. 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 Good evening,
Guten Abend. Guten Abend. Do you speak English? Uh, sprechen Sie English? Yeah, a little. You wish a room? Please. We have something here which is very nice. The view is excellent. May I have your register? The name above mine was Herbert Spies. And they'd given him room number 12. I asked for 10 across the hall. Then wondered what my next move was going to be. I found that decision wasn't mine to make some 20 minutes later as I finished unpacking my bag. Come in. Mr. Spy, I believe. Aye, Mr. Spy. This is a coincidence. Is it? Well, I mean, running into each other this way. You've been following me. Oh, no. That's not quite true. Don't lie, by gum. I let you trot along behind me just to see how far you'd go. Now, watch your game, chappy. What's yours? Mine? I'm on holiday. So am I. Now, look here. Why are you sticking to me like a ruddy plaster, chappy? And why are you trying to run away? Run away? Me? You left your compartment seat in the boat train to Paris. Of course I did. The seat wasn't mine. I'd made a ruddy mistake, that's what. My reservation was put to the car. Then I'm sorry, Mr. Spy. Sorry? For what? For making a nuisance of myself. I mistook you for someone else, someone I've been searching for. I assure you I won't annoy you again. You just make certain of that, Chappie. That's all I've got to say. I was more convinced than ever now that Spy was my man. My time was growing short. I had to locate my evidence before Scotland Yard located me. In his room, perhaps there might be something. But he didn't leave it for the next 12 hours, and by the time Noreen arrived, I was getting a bit nervy. You're quite sure no one followed you, Noreen? Positive. And, and the London papers, what do they say? You've been marked, Elliot. There doesn't seem to be any question in their minds that... I'm set for the noose. Darling, we've got to do something. Yes, well, I intend to. Spy's our man, I'm sure of it. He carries a gun. He does? In his room, his luggage, there may be evidence, but sticking so close to it, I can't break in. I'll get him out, darling. You? How? A woman can manage those things, one way or another. I, I, I don't want you getting mixed up with Spy, Noreen. It's too dangerous. He's across the hall? Yes, but Noreen... Wait. I suppose you'd say I was a cad, letting the girl I love risk her safety for me. I had no choice. Besides, I was nearby in the room across the hall if she needed help. He's gone, Elliot. The room's empty. What a fool I was not to force the issue before this. It's not too late. I know where he's gone. Where? The Jungfrau Yacht. There's a hotel near the summit. One of the porters told me I met him in the hall. Wait here, my darling. You're going to follow him up the mountain? I've no choice. It's his life now or mine. I'm going to see this through clear to the finish. Wish me luck. It's 11,000 feet straight up to the Jungfrau. 
and you're carted to the top by the highest rack railway in the world. The scenery is magnificent if you're enjoying it as a tourist, but one has little time for landscapes when one's very life depends upon the trip. It was four hours to the summit. When I arrived, I had a bit of luck. As I was signing the register at the only hotel, I saw a spy walk into the restaurant for his dinner. I knew this was my chance to search his room. A pound note to the concierge procured me a pass key. And a few minutes later, I was going through his luggage with a fine-tooth comb. Spy. There's no need for that revolver, Mr. Spy. No. Well, we can discuss this thing quietly. How would you like to talk it over with a constable? Don't try to bluff me, Spy. Huh? You wouldn't turn me over to a constable, and you know it. And why not? Because you murdered Sir Alfred Ainsley. I what? You killed him and arranged things so they'd hold me for the crime. You must be young Elliot Preston. Why? Why did you choose me? We never even met before. How in the name of heaven were you able to steal those things from my flat and, and forge a note in my name? Preston, you're a fool. Am I? You shouldn't have run away. No. What would you have preferred me to do? Take your place on the scaffold? Can you read German? Oh, what's that got to do with it? You might have read the evening paper with the latest London news. I saw it while I was having my dinner. What news? You've been cleared. Cleared? The good thing for you, I took my holiday before Sir Alfred's murder was printed in papers. Otherwise, my friend, I'd have put you in handcuffs before that train left the London rail yards. Handcuffs? You mean you're an officer? Scotland Yard and Chappie. I am on a holiday. A bosman's holiday, it appears to me now. But you said I was cleared. How? What? Why? Simple enough. They managed to find the real killer. They haven't made an arrest yet, but they're getting close. And, uh, whom are they looking for? Why, it... Mr. Spy. Revolver shots came from behind me, and as he crumpled like a sack of flour right before my eyes, I wheeled to face the open door. She stepped into the room, a gun still smoking in her hand. Noreen! Yes, darling. I'm so sorry. Noreen! It was you! Yes, darling. You killed your uncle. And then arranged it so they'd look for me. Too bad it was wasted. I'd spent so much time... You've no idea how long it took me to forge that letter in your hand, Elliot. It was absolutely nerve-wracking. But they found you out. Yes. Evidently, I erred in one way or another. Now it's my name that's in the news, darling. And poor Mr. Spy just paid with his life for finding that out. Why? Why did you kill Sir Alfred? He was opinionated. He said I was insane. Those two seats to Switzerland, darling. He was bringing me here to consult a psychiatrist. Then that was why he refused to let me marry you. He knew all the time that you were mad. Ridiculous, wasn't it? No. Far from it. You're ill, Noreen. Don't be silly. Give me that revolver. Don't come near me, Elliot. Give me the gun. One step further and I'll shoot. Noreen! <laughs> <laughs> 
There was a large French window right behind her. As she tried to step backward out of my reach, she lost her footing and tumbled through the glass. It was 11,000 feet, straight down. And I hit my eyes with my fingers as she hurtled back like a stone into the void. But as she disappeared from view, I almost thought I heard her voice as it reverberated like a frightful echo between the alpine peaks. Now it's your turn, darling, to wish me luck. In the animal world, there is the hunter and the hunted. Hound and fox, hawk and sparrow, chicken and worm. We in the topmost species have also joined the hunt. But who is to judge precisely which of us are hounds or foxes as we enter the chase? The Chase was created and written for the National Broadcasting Company by Lawrence Klee. Featured in tonight's cast were Joyce Linden and Lester Fletcher. Others in the cast were Horace Graham and Guy Rep. The Chase was directed and transcribed by Walter McGraw. you'll hear another suspenseful story of a reporter pursued by sudden death in South America when you follow the chase. Next, it's First Nighter on NBC. This has been Relic Radio Thrillers. I'll be back next Friday with a story from Escape. Between now and then, you can find more from The Chase past episodes of this podcast, all the others, and everything else Relic Radio at the website relicradio.com. Got a shoutcast stream there running as well, and you can donate, help support this and all of the shows at donate.relicradio.com or click on the link on the website. Your support makes all of this possible. Thank you, as always, to those who have helped out. Thanks for joining me today. Talk to you again next Friday with another episode of Relic Radio Thrillers. Thrillers.